Welcome to the podcast of Follow Baptist Church. Our vision and mission is to follow Jesus in our community for His glory. We hope and pray that you are blessed, challenged and inspired by this message. For more information on Follow Church, you can visit our website at www.followchurch.com.au. The Bible readings we're doing are Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 5, and then after that I'm going to do Genesis chapter 18, verses 9 to 15. All right, here's Genesis chapter 12. The Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Okay, then we're going to flip over to Genesis chapter 18, uh, verses 9 to 15. Where is your wife Sarah? They asked him. There, in the tent, he said. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I did not laugh. But he said, yes, you did laugh. No matter how hard I try, no matter how much I give, I'm just, I'm not enough. For who? What? Not enough for who? I mean, Sean, the kids, my mother, God, everybody, I don't know. You? Not enough for you. I was raised in church. This might surprise you, but I have since drifted from the faith. Shocker. My mama worked three jobs. I never met my daddy. I had to get up early and walk to school, but I'd wait up for her coming home from the diner. I'd wait up every night. 
because she'd come home and she'd put me to bed and she'd tell me something. She'd tell me the same thing every night. He loves you, Charles. No matter who you are, no matter what you do, or how far you run, Jesus will always be loving you with his arms open wide just for being you. And I'd smile and go off to sleep. You know, I saw something on Pinterest the other day. It was an eagle just caring for its young. It's a beautiful thing to watch one of God's creations just doing what he made it to do. Just being an eagle. And that's enough. Y'all spend so much time beating yourselves up. Must be exhausting. Let me tell you something, girl. I doubt the good Lord made a mistake giving your kiddos the mama he did. So you just be you. He'll take care of the rest. Bit of an abrupt end. <laughs> Mum's Night Out, that movie's called. It's a Christian movie, a lot of laughs, but um, some profound truth in there as well. So if you haven't seen it, it's worth having a look. And I think what that guy said about mums is very true. Now, this week I did a bit of research on Mother's Day to try and work out where did Mother's Day come from in the first place. And it took me all the way back to 1908 uh, to a lady called Anna Jarvis who pioneered the first ever Mother's Day. Uh, Anna never had children of her own, but after the death of her own mum, in 1905, she was inspired to organise a day in the calendar every year to honour mums. And so largely through her efforts, Mother's Day came to be observed in a growing number of cities and states, uh, originally in the US, until it was officially set aside annually for the second Sunday in May, starting in 1914. Now, in an interesting development, uh, Anna Jarvis came to hate the day she inspired. She despised the commercialisation of Mother's Day, and she fought the rest of her life to have it completely abolished again from the calendar. Uh, clearly, that didn't work. But um, for her, Mother's Day wasn't a day to corporately celebrate mums, but rather, in her own words, it was a day where you'd go home to spend time with your mother and thank her for all that she did. Today, as we fast forward 104 years, we're gathered to together today to worship God and also to honour our mothers on Mother's Day. And it is commercialised and we do corporately celebrate mums, which I think overall is a very good thing. But I want to encourage everyone here to take Anna's advice wherever possible. Go and spend time with your own mum and make the effort to tell her that you love her. Uh, if she's not here or overseas, make sure you ring her up and tell her. And if your mum's gone, uh, it's a good chance to stop and reflect and thank God for the mother that you had. No matter whether she was a great mother or not a such a good mother, you exist because she existed. And so thank God for, for that gift in your life. 
I think that's really importantly. My mum is one of those women. I think it's good to set aside time to honour our mums. And my mum's one of those women that I'd like to honour. And she's uh, in the room today. And so it's a great chance to, to tell my mum that I love her. Uh, I tell her off the stage as well. But I want to tell her today as well. And my life is incredibly blessed. And a big part of it is because of the sacrifices my mum and my dad and many others have made. And so on Mother's Day, I want to really honour mum and say thank you. And next to her is my grandma, um, who's 93. 92. <laughs> I really want that letter from the Queen, so I just keep putting it up a year every year. Uh, she's 92, um, but she's been a great mum as well to dad and a great grandma to us and a great example. And also my granddad's here today. He's 93, and this is the first Mother's Day without Nana. And so my prayers are with him, and I want to honour her today as well. And so thank you to mum and my grandmas, and also my mother-in-law's here, sorry, my mother -in-laws here today. Came out loud. But uh, in all seriousness, Karen, I love you as well and really appreciate your love and kindness. And my wife is here as well, and so um, she is incredible, and we'll get to that later. <laughs> I just got the look. What are you talking about later? You didn't discuss that, and that is true. We did not. <laughs> Today, I think it's really important also on Mother's Day to... Uh, it's a wonderful day for many people, and that's great, but it's also important to realise that for many people, it's a really difficult day. Uh, for many reasons, and so if you fit in that latter category, uh, my prayer for you today is that God would give you a peace and a joy that can only ultimately be found in Him anyway, and that He would help you today to navigate through the sadness and disappointment that comes with a day such as this. The title of my Mother's Day message today is, There Was Once a Woman, and there was once a woman called Sarai, who became Sarah. We're going to focus in and hone in on her life today at Mother's Day. And as we read a story in Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, um, I think as we look at her life today, there'll be lots of things that we can learn, whether you're a mum or not. And so if you're a note taker today, uh, the first point that you can write down is this, that there was once a woman called Sarai who stepped out in faith. There was once a woman called Sarai who stepped out in faith. You know, history is full of ordinary women who did extraordinary things because they had the courage to step out in faith. As I was pondering that this week, there was a couple that came to my mind uh, immediately. One was Amelia Earhart, the American aviator, who became the first woman to fly solo across the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, she was the first person ever to fly solo from Hawaii to the US mainland. And she famously went missing uh, during a flight attempting to circumnavigate the globe. And she disappeared somewhere over the Pacific in July 1937. Uh, her plane wreckage was never found. And she was officially declared lost at sea. And her disappearance remains one of the greatest mysteries of the 20th century. But she was a lady who had an impact. She was a lady of courage. And while her life finished tragically, she was a woman of great courage who stepped out in faith into a male-dominated industry. And she set many flying records and pioneered the advancement of women in aviation. A few years later, there was another great woman, an ordinary woman who did extraordinary things, and she became a household name in 1955. Uh, her name was Rosa Parks. Rosa Parks lived in the 1950s in the south of America in Montgomery, Alabama, in a time of severe racial discrimination and segregation. And on December the 1st, 1955, after finishing a long and tiring uh, shift at a department store where she worked as a seamstress, she boarded a Montgomery bus and took a seat in first of the several rows designated for, inverted commas, coloured people. And so she sat down there. And slowly along the bus route, the bus started to fill up. And the bus driver looked in his rear view at one stage. He noticed there was a lot of white passengers standing in the aisles. And so he brought the bus to a complete stop. 
and he went back to the aisles and he took the row of segregation and he moved the barrier back four rows and then he told the four rows of coloured women to stand up and give up their seat for the white people. Now this was common practice and uh, all those people in those seats obliged except for this woman Rosa Parks. She made a very brave decision and she refused to stand that day on the bus, surrounded by predominantly white people in a very racist culture. And so the driver came down and she, he demanded that she stand to her feet and make way. And when she wouldn't do that, he eventually asked, why won't you stand up? And she simply replied, because I don't think I should have to stand up. So he rang the police who came and arrested her and removed her from the bus But her actions, her courage that day led to a boycott of Montgomery buses and proved to be a circuit breaker in bringing positive and lasting change in the civil rights movement, paving the way for many great people to do great things. For women such as this, it took a step of faith. They had to step into the unknown. They had to face their fears. They needed to be prepared to pay the cost to pioneer change to an industry or start a social movement. And we are still reaping the benefits of their courage today. Sarai is a biblical character who in similar ways, at great personal cost, stepped out in faith and we are living in the blessing of her faith even to this very day. Sarai was married to a man called Abram and together they are the central characters in one of the main stories in the Old Testament and one of the most important stories in all of biblical history. Abram is a, Abraham is a key character and he was a man who received great promises from God. We heard them read this morning. Hayden read them out from Genesis chapter 12. The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And we read that passage and it's clear there are some pretty phenomenal promises for this guy. I'll bless you, you'll be a blessing to all people. Whoever blesses you, I'll bless. Whoever curses you, I'll curse. These are incredible promises, but they only come on the back of extreme sacrifice, faith, and obedience as Abram stepped out. Because God, when God tells Abraham these things, he says, I want you to go to a land I will show you. I think that's incredible. He doesn't say, now, here's the brochure. Looks amazing, doesn't it? Just an absolutely beautiful place. You're going to love it. You're going to have a big house. You're going to be safe. It's going to be awesome. And so I want you to come follow me. And Abraham will go, well, that looks really amazing. Let's do that. But no, no, he says, I want you to leave everything that's important to you. And I want you to go to a land that I will show you. That's an incredible step of faith. And so he had to leave his country. I don't know about you, but I love Australia. Australia. We live in the greatest country in the world, don't we? It's a, it's a beautiful place. We've got great benefits here. We've got incredible freedom. We've got beautiful weather, beaches. Well, not in Pakenham, but we've got beaches around. We've got bush. We've got bush out here and all sorts of great nature. And it's a very safe place to live, Australia. Safer than what we realise until we travel to other places. And I think most of us here today can have great optimism for the future in a country such as this. And so any thought of moving away from the blessing we have, the country we live in, would require great sacrifice. 
Hayden mentioned before that we've got the Rowcrofts with us this morning. And um, Hayden didn't mention, but they're actually missionaries. They're members at our church. And a while ago now, we sent them out. And they left all the comforts of Australia, uh, coming up to a time where they should be thinking about retirement. And they left all that behind. And they've stepped out and they've gone to West Africa, to a place called Niger. And they're there serving the Lord, working in a hospital and sharing the gospel and doing incredible things. And, you know, in comparison to here, it's a very primitive place. And it's quite a dangerous place. But at great cost, they've left Australia to serve in a hospital in Garmi with eight to 10,000 people. And that's an incredible sacrifice. No air conditioning. And it's really, really hot, stinking hot. No air conditioning. Low living standards. Great sacrifice. And I'm sure they'll tell you today, if you chat to them after the service, that it's not easy leaving your country or your family or your people. And so Abram left his country. He left his people, the culture that he was familiar with, his friends, his family, his community, all those people he held dear, he left them behind in pursuit of God as he went to a country that God would show him. Not only did he leave his country and his people, but he left his father's household. And at first glance, it sounds like the same thing, leaving family. But it's actually more than that. It actually also highlights that he's leaving his inheritance, his future uh, inheritance, the finance that's going to get him through life, his financial security. Uh, God calls him to leave all that behind, and he does so. That's an incredible sacrifice. You see, stepping out in faith means trusting God, even when you don't know What lies ahead? Abram and Sarai had to take a step of faith. God said to Abram, go to a country I will show you. And so we read this story, and I think many of us have heard the story many times before, and we're very familiar with it. And we we look at Abram and we see this guy who's a hero of the faith. He's a, a great father of the faith. You remember the song, don't you? Father Abraham, many sons. I won't sing it today, but we remember Abraham and we remember this great man and these great sacrifices he made. But this week I reconsidered the story through the lens of someone like Sarai. And I realized that this was a really big step for Abraham. And and he gets all the credit. But I think Sarai sometimes gets lost in the wash. As I considered the story, I thought to myself, this is an even greater step for her. Because the text tells us that Abraham spoke directly, God spoke directly to Abram. But God didn't speak directly to Sarai. And so Abram stepped out on a word from God, but Sarai had to step out, not only trusting God, which is probably the easier part of this equation, but also trusting her husband. Who knows, that's often the hardest step. You can trust God, don't know about the husband. But Sarai had to step out based on a word from God to her husband, believing in God and believing the call that God had placed on their life. This is an incredible step of life. And I think sometimes she doesn't get any credit for it. And I think today is a great opportunity to point to a very similar situation in our context. A few years ago, I felt a calling to step out in faith and to plant a church. And I naturally enjoy leadership and I have a personality that's naturally outgoing, although I think becoming more and more introverted as we go. But I love being with people and I think God has gifted me for the role that he's called me to play. And I get excited about stepping out in faith and continually taking risks and stretching ourselves. And I like living in the faith zone. And so planning a church is a big step of faith, but in a big way I enjoy that. But I have a wife who is wired very differently to me. She's naturally introverted, except 
at talent shows. <laughs> she has a behind the scenes. She's quiet and she doesn't like the spotlight, except at talent shows. That's right. And so while this is a big step of faith for me, I feel in a lot of ways it's an even bigger step of faith for Kim. And I get all the credit, lead pastor and church planter and pioneer and whatever people say, but this was an even bigger step for Kim, and I just want to acknowledge how important she is in the leadership of this church and tell you honestly and openly today that none of this would have happened without her support, without her love, and without her faith. It's a better mention than usual, isn't it? I went to Mainly Music this week and I was just blown away. Like, that's the best playgroup on the planet. And I was so proud of Kim and the team. Um, they, they did a high tea for all the mums and they set it up beautifully and there were gifts and surprises and they even rehearsed a rap that they did for all the mums. She's really coming out of her shell. <laughs> and uh, it was just amazing. The day before Mainly Music, they all gathered at my house and they, our house and they made these like king-size shepherd pies so that every mum from Mainly Music would get a, a huge shepherd pie to take home so they wouldn't have to cook this week. And things like that are just absolutely amazing. And I watched Kim lead in that context. And when I think of Kim when I first met her, she was kind of like a mute. <laughs> and I remember when we catch up with people, I feel this overwhelming, crushing pressure to keep the conversation going because they'd say, Kim, how was your day? Good. <laughs> What'd you do? Not much. How's life? Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> Come on, what am I going to ask next? Uh, ask open-ended questions, people. And uh, it was awkward, but to watch Kim and the way she's grown and the things that God's done in her life uh, is just absolutely incredible. And I uh, am very proud of her and I'm very grateful. She's an amazing mum. She's an awesome wife and she's a beautiful woman. And I want her and, and you to know how much I appreciate the person that God has blessed me with. They say behind every great man is a woman rolling their eyes. And that's certainly true in our marriage. But they also say behind every great man is a great woman. And uh, I may not always be a great man, but there's no doubt that my wife is a great woman. And I love her very much. And so that's probably enough <laughs> now. But I love you, darling. I'll just throw that in as well. But while I'm highlighting Kim, let me just highlight Tracy Young as well. And, and Christine Walker, who are the wives of our other pastors. And they also stepped out in great faith and made sacrifices to help lead this church. And so... I don't think either of them are raging extroverts either. And so being thrust into the spotlight is not always comfortable, but I want to thank them as well for all that they do. Um, these are examples of everyday women stepping out in faith, but I don't only want to honour my, my wife and my mum and all those other people because there are many everyday women in this room and listening on the podcast who have also taken the biggest step of faith you can ever take, and we call it motherhood. You've stepped out in faith, and motherhood comes in all different forms. For many here today, it's biological. For others, it's adoptive or fostering. For some, your spiritual mums in the form of mentoring. And whatever shape it takes, it's significant and valuable and I think worthy of honouring today. And whatever that looks like for you, it's a huge step of faith. And so I thought today it'd be really appropriate that we give all of our mums a big round of applause. Sarah became a mum, but it first took a step of faith. And for mums, it requires a huge step of faith. Who knows when you step out to have a child, you, you don't know whether it's going to work out well or not. 
There's so many ifs and buts. Uh, will they have five fingers and five, sorry, ten fingers and ten toes? Uh, will they grow up to uh, be decent human beings? Will they like me? Um, will they love the Lord? All these things require a big step of faith and a lot of prayer to trust that God's going to do something in the lives of our children. Sarah's willingness to step out in faith led to some amazing things, including motherhood, but it all started with a step of faith. And so this morning, let's pause to admire someone like Sarai. But let's not idolize her either because it wasn't always smooth sailing. Sarai's life and journey had its ups and it had its downs. And so there was once a woman called Sarai who stepped out in faith, but there was also once a woman called Sarah, the same woman, who doubted God. And in Genesis chapter 17, we see that Abraham and Sarah were both given new names by God, a name change. And when God changes a person's name and gave them a new name, it was usually to establish a new identity. And so God changed Abram's name. Abram means high father. And he changed his name to Abraham, which means the father of a multitude. And God also at the same time changed Sarai's name from Sarai, which means my princess, to Sarah, which means mother of nations. Now, the problem with this name change for uh, Abram and particularly for Sarai was that they still hadn't conceived. It's very hard to be a father of a multitude or a mother of nations when you haven't conceived a child. Don't you love the fact that God sees us for what we will be? He doesn't see us for what we are. It's incredible that we keep growing in the Lord as we look to him. He keeps transforming us from the inside out. We call it sanctification. And you aren't the person you used to be, but you're not the person you will be in Christ. You keep growing each and every day through the power of the Holy Spirit, and that's an awesome thing. And so he declares this over their life, that Sarai, my princess, is going to be Sarah, the mother of nations. And what we need to understand from the story is that when God first told Abram and Sarai that they would have a child and many descendants, Sarai was 65 years of age and her husband was 75 years of age. Do we have any 65 or 75-year-olds here this morning? No one is brave enough to put up their hands. We can guess. We know. You're in the realm. You're in the zone. There's many people that age. And if you've got a promise from God at the age of 65, like my dad or mum, you would think, you'd be excused for thinking it's going to be pronto. I mean, we've got to get on with this. If we're going to have a kid, I'm 65. My husband's 75. You would expect it's going to happen pretty soon. So I can imagine Sarai hearing this promise at 65 years of age. And I can imagine the first month, it comes and goes. And nothing happens. And I imagine there'd be some mild disappointment. I thought it was going to happen. I'm sure it'll happen next month. The second month comes. The third month comes. The first year comes. And I can imagine some frustration kicking in. And there are many women right now, right around the world, who are in this painful cycle of wanting to conceive and not being able to. And some have got to the place in life where there's been a deep desire of your heart and it hasn't been possible. And that is understandably painful. And if you've ever experienced anything like that, you'll deeply understand what Sarah was going through. Sarah waited and waited and waited and waited until she got to the point where I think that she gave up hope. Perhaps she got angry with God. God, why would you say, I'm going to have a child? Why would you call me the mother of nations? Are you cruel? I don't understand why this has happened. Why haven't you allowed me to conceive? And I think that's understandable. Because from the time of the promise to the time of conception, it was 25 years. Now, some people wait 2.5 years, and that's painful. 
25 years. That's 300 months, 300 disappointments, heartbreak, confusion, disappointment. Sarah got to the place where she eventually doubted God. In today's second reading from Genesis 18, 24 years have passed from the promise that Sarah would have a child. And Abram has a visit from three strangers. Many commentators believe these strangers were the triune God himself, but others believe they were angels. Hebrews mentions this account and uh, calls them angels. But either way, they experienced some sort of divine visit. And they came to Abram and they were talking to him in one tent and Sarah was in the tent next door. And they said to Abram, I'm going to come back in, in a year's time and in a year's time, your wife Sarah will have a child. Now Sarah's in the very next tent and she overhears this conversation and she laughs at the top of her voice. <laughs> You're kidding. We're still talking about that, that old chestnut. 24 years ago, we've, we've heard all of this before. I'm, I'm now really old. I'm nearly 90. We're planning my husband's 100th next year. I mean, it's not going to happen. As good as dead. I don't want to talk about it anymore. If she had Facebook in the tent, she probably just put LOL up on her status. Not going to happen. But in verse 4, the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? That's a good question and a hypothetical question. And the answer is no. Nothing's too hard for the Lord. I will return to you at the appointed time next year and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I did not laugh. God said, yes, you did laugh. We can fool one another. We can't fool God. It's no use lying to God. He knows our heart. He knows our emotions. He knows our doubts. He knows our fears. And so we might as well be honest with him. I think that's what he wants. So here's Sarah, this amazing woman. She's taken great steps of faith over and over again, and yet this same woman is now doubting God and even trying to lie to him. Sarah was a great woman, but she wasn't a perfect woman. And God doesn't expect us to be perfect. And when we're not, we encounter this thing, this incredible thing called grace, the undeserved love of God where he chooses to love us despite the fact that we're not perfect. Here's a couple of questions for the mums this morning. If you're a mum here today, I want you to put your hand up if you think you've got a super mum. Who here's got a super mum? Okay, some people have got really awful mums. Okay, <laughs> hands up if you think you've got a super mum. Very good, okay, there's a lot of hands here. Okay, so this is for the mums again. For all the mums here, I want you to raise your hand if you think you're a super mum. <laughs> Illustration worked, didn't it? <laughs> Some kids are pointing to their mum. That's very nice. Super mum. But it's amazing, isn't it? There's a disconnect between how you see yourselves and how those closest to you actually see you. There's a huge disconnect there. In the world of Facebook and Instagram, where everyone instantly looks amazing, where mums look perfect and seem perfect and their families are picture perfect, there's often a crippling expectation that we will be perfect. But let me let you in on a little secret this morning. Most of the stuff you see on social media, it's not real. It's not real. You know that status that said, I just rolled out of bed? That's probably 10 attempts to get that photo. It's probably six different filters to try and get that perfect look. And we look at it and we go, oh, wow, I could never roll out of bed like that. She's beautiful. She looks perfect. There's no wrinkles. 
She looks even better in black and white. <laughs> I could never be like that. And, and this is this picture-perfect world, but a lot of it is not real. This week I, I went to a funeral of a friend of mine who took his own life. Just last week, left his wife, two sons, 10 and 7 years of age. Now that tells a story, but his Facebook accounts tells a very different one. You look at it, he looks happy, successful. Everything in life that he could, he could need to be happy and yet lost and broken. What we see on Facebook is so often not the reality of what's really going on in people's lives. And so it's a futile exercise comparing ourselves to what we see because it's often not real. Mums, I think that you are often your own harshest critics. And there's this pressure to be perfect. If I don't look perfect, and if I don't appear perfect, and if I've had bad days, and if I yell at the kids, and if my kid isn't happy, or if my kid wanders off track, then it means I'm a bad mum, and I'll carry the weight of the world on my shoulders because I'm not perfect. Let me tell you something I heard just recently that may help. There's been a lot of research done uh, recently that says that the average 17-year-old child average 17-year-old child has the same level of anxiety as a psychiatric patient in the 1950s. That's incredible. Why is that? You might think, well, that's true. It's because I'm a bad mum. No, it's not because you're a bad mum. It's because they're, you know, exposed to so much stuff in their lives. We have so many messages coming into our brain. I don't think we're designed to actually, uh, you know, take all that in and apply all that. It's just too hard to do. And it's not because you're a bad mum, probably not. It's more to do with the amount of messages kids are subjected to every day at school and social media and the internet and TV and there's exposure to things that they aren't ready to be exposed to at such a young age. What I'm trying to say is that parenting in a high-tech world is perhaps more complex than ever before and the reality is that child likeness is disappearing much earlier because they're exposed to things but childishness is lasting much longer. Because the things they're exposed to at a young age, they're not ready to and they're not prepared to actually deal with maturely. And so they remain more childish longer. And you can be Mother Teresa in your house and you can do everything right with your kids. But the truth is that they'll be exposed to so much stuff outside of your house that that may end up being the bigger influence in their life. That's why prayer is so incredibly important as parents. That we pray that God would do something supernatural in the lives of of our kids. Being a mum is a huge step of faith. It's a highly complex thing. You're not perfect, but the vast majority of mums are doing the very best they can with what they have. And so I want to encourage you this Mother's Day to cut yourself some slack, to go easy on yourself and continue to do your very best. And I believe God can use that to do great things through your life. Sarah was a wonderful woman, but she wasn't a perfect woman. Sarah doubted God, and there'll be times in your life where, we were, where you do too. There was once a woman called Sarah who stepped out in faith. There was once a woman called Sarah who doubted God. But I want to finish by saying there was once a woman called Sarah who left an incredible legacy. Before I said there's often a disconnect between how we see ourselves and how those closest to us see us. But I think there's also a more important disconnect and a more damaging one, and it's this. That there's a disconnect between how we see ourselves And how God sees us. Romans chapter 4. God records his thoughts about Abram and Sarai through the words of the Apostle Paul. And what he says is this, that Abram and by extension Sarai didn't waver in their faith. Now I think if you know the story, you would see that as a very generous description. They didn't waver in their faith. 
I don't think waver is strong enough word for what they did. They didn't waver. They crashed. They crashed in their faith. Instead of believing that God would do the things the way he said he would do them, Sarai convinced her husband Abram to go and take the slave girl Hagar, have a baby with him, and they would make the promises happen in their own way, at their own time, independent from God. Okay, you've promised it, God. We don't believe you're faithful anymore, so we're going to make it happen in our own way. How often do we do that in our own lives? They didn't waver. They crashed. But when God recorded their legacy, he didn't say, here's a couple that stuffed up big time. I promised them everything, and they blew it, baby. God doesn't record that. He doesn't say these guys were failures. He doesn't highlight their mistakes. He doesn't point out that they weren't perfect. He simply highlights that they were people of faith. And their legacy is that they are people of faith. God is so gracious to us. He's so kind to us. He forgives us over and over again. But more than that, he chooses to love us and see the very best that he's created in us. And so, mums, I want you to hear this clearly today, here on the podcast, you are not failures. You are precious and valuable and loved unconditionally by God, who created you uniquely, who you are. And yet many people live in a constant state of self-loathing. I want to tell you this morning, we can't stay there. Mums, you can be particularly bad at this. We all make mistakes. None of us are perfect. But in the forgiveness of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, we step out again in faith and God can use you, an ordinary person, and me, an ordinary person, to do extraordinary things and to leave a legacy for his kingdom for all eternity. Part of the promise to Abraham and Sarah is that they would become a great nation, that they would be blessed and that they would be a blessing to all nations, to all people on earth. When they finally had children, they did become a nation, and the nation of Israel was designed to represent God's character to the world around them. But over and over again, they made mistakes, they fell short, until one day, down the line, one of their descendants, a guy we know as Jesus Christ, was born. Jesus was God in human form, was what Israel had never become. He represented God's character and he was perfect in every way. He was the one true Israelite who, where these promises of God given to Abram would finally be realised in and through him. Every person in every nation from every background can be blessed through a relationship with Christ that brings them back into friendship with God the Father through his perfect life through his sacrificial death on the cross where he took our sins and our shortcomings and our fails and he nailed them there all the way through to his supernatural resurrection that conquered the power of death and gives us hope eternally for relationship with the God who created us. Jesus has made that possible. But his story started with a step of faith from this woman called Sarai. Through her children came a legacy that you and I have become part of in Christ. You and I are part of the legacy of this ordinary, imperfect woman who took a giant step of faith into motherhood. I want to finish with a text message I got this week from a fully grown adult man in our congregation. This is what he wrote. He said, Hi, mate. I hope all is well. I presume you're preaching this Sunday. I just wanted to ask you to please encourage mums of the importance of teaching their kids about Jesus. Because if not for my own mother telling me that Jesus saves, I would not be here today, praise God. 
Sarah's legacy was ultimately Jesus. And the greatest legacy we can ever leave is exactly the same. It's Jesus. Mums, you can't make your kids love Jesus. But what you can do is role model faith in him. Through the doubts, through the imperfections, through the fears, and even through the mistakes, God has uniquely gifted you to leave a legacy as you share Jesus with your kids and with everybody that you know. I want to thank you, mums, for all that you do, all the mums in all the different forms. But more to the point, I want to thank you for who you are. May you be truly blessed this Mother's Day, and may you leave a legacy through your life that points people to Jesus. Let's bow our heads and we're going to pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're a loving and kind Father, and I thank you that you provide for us loving and kind mothers. Lord, we're all here because we had a mum. And Lord, I know there's a range of different experiences. Some were incredibly joyful and we're very thankful for those. Some were very difficult. And Lord, you know those ones. Lord, I thank you that our ultimate security doesn't even come from our mums or being a mum. Our ultimate security comes from you. And so today as we honour our mums and thank them for all they've done, all they're doing and all they will do in the future, Lord, we ultimately want to thank you for who you are, for all you've done, for all you're doing and for all you've promised in the future. Lord, I pray today as we connect with our mums, Lord, I pray that you would help it to be a blessed time. I pray that we'd, be, have, we'd have hearts of gratitude that would overflow in expressions of love. And for those today who don't have a mum or are struggling in different areas of motherhood, Lord, I pray today that you would bring great peace, that even on a difficult day, they can find joy in you. And I pray this today in Jesus' name. Amen.